0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Mike Malatesta. On this podcast, I dig in deep with every guest to get to the roots of their success, to discover not just how it happened, but why it matters. My mission is to expose the ideas and clues you need to inspire, activate, and maximize the greatness in you. Everybody, welcome back to the How to It Happen podcast. Uh, I am very happy that you're joining me for the fourth in our series of special and different podcasts with my friends Richie Burke and Dave Will. Here, Woo-hoo! Uh, yeah, way to go!
1: <laughs> I think I'm getting a little looser, man. Now we yeah, can. Right. I'm ready. Let's let's let's. It's let's it's, our,
2: it's our last one. We're finally ready to go. Let's do this.
1: last one. Now we we're doing this for every chapter. What's happening here? <laughs>
2: We're getting, we're getting we're getting cut off uh, after this. Mike Mike's going to bring on some heavier hitters after this. Yeah,
0: one. we got yeah yeah we got to step up the part to talk about the, rest of the book. But Mike, all right, go on. So anyway, as uh, as those guys just alluded, we are talking about my book, uh, Owner Shift: How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck, which is coming out on November thirtieth, twenty twenty one. You can buy you can buy it on Amazon. Or anywhere you get your books, you can also buy it on my website at MikeMalatesta.com. Today, we are here to talk about a chapter out of part four of the book, which is called Breakthrough. The, cha- the, the part is called Breakthrough, and this chapter is called The Five Words. And this chapter is about my, is a, is about a, my experience with, uh, with a guy named Dan Sullivan, who is the founder of, well, sometimes he calls himself a founder, and sometimes he calls himself a co-founder. Of the strategic coach program, uh, which is an entrepreneurial coaching program that is exceptional, uh, and I was in it for six or seven years. And while I was in it, uh, <clears throat> I joined it uh, a year, a little over a, a little over a year after Butch passed away, and I was in the valley and I was looking for a way out of the valley. And it had been referred to me by a messenger. Um, that, uh, there's another chapter on the messenger, which is, um, just one of these fortuitous sort of convergences, but I was in the program and, uh, every time we would go to a a workshop, we would get a bunch of um, CDs from Dan and, uh, when they still made CDs and we listened to, I would listen to the CDs on the way, um, back to, back home. So at about a 90 minute drive and I was driving home and he was talking about this um, high school reunion that he went to. And Dan was probably 70 or late sixties at, at the time. Maybe it was his 50th high school reunion or something like that. And he was talking about the crowd and the people and how he felt so different than um, his classmates. Like he felt, um, like he had still had something to live with, and the people around him were sort of figuring out how to wind it down and He said something that really just smacked me right in the face almost to the point where i I felt like I needed to pull over and suck and, and sort of soak it in and he was he was describing um some of the things that his classmates were saying, and he said um, you know i I determined a long time ago that." my future is my property. It's not my mom's, it's not my dad's, it's not my, my siblings, it's not you know, my wife's, it's not the people I work with, it's mine. And I've accepted that and it's helped me to, to um, realize that I'm the one as the entrepreneur or, you know, who needs to create the future that I want for myself so that I can figure out how to get everybody to help me achieve that future and make it real. And I, it was just a point of a time in my life where I didn't, as I've explained in earlier episodes of our special and different thing that I didn't, didn't know what a future had. I didn't have any goals anymore. I didn't, I thought that the future was only going to be like the past so far, grind, 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 grind. I, I wasn't accepting responsibility for what my future would be like. I wasn't doing my job properly as a leader and an entrepreneur. And I wanted somebody to just come along and make it feel right to me. Just tell me what to do. And Dan said, my future is my property. And I said, damn it. That's what I've been missing. Like, it seems so simple, right? Your future is your property. Um, You know, go ahead, make it what you want it to be. But I, I didn't see it. And when he said it, I thought, you're right, and I'm not going to say I immediately got to work on it because that would sound like I was some, you know, I don't know, better than I am, but I, I was thinking about it all the time, and ultimately um, those five words made me understand that it's up to me to design the things that I want, and then once I know what I want, I need to design the things that are going to get me there. And it's just had a tremendous transformational impact on me, both as a leader and as an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, I I don't think it's too, I I don't know if it's too big of a leap to say that, you know, those five words really changed the trajectory of my life and my business. And I know, you know, some of you may be thinking, well, you, you can't make your future your property. I mean. There's so many things you can't control, and this can happen, and that can happen. And yeah, those thoughts all went through my mind. Um, but what I can make happen is the things that I can control. And if I can, can, if I can put them out there and I can decide what those are, then I can work really hard to uh, make them uh, reality. And that's, what, and that's, that's ultimately what I, what I ended up doing. So Dave, what do you think?
1: Well, I was really happy to see that Dan Sullivan got a chapter in your book because he is uh, in one of the previous episodes. I mentioned uh, a Sherpa or a guide, and there's no better guide in my book than Dan Sullivan. Uh, the Strategic Coach is just this amazing program. I think it's underrated. Um, I don't think it gets as much popularity as some of the some of the people that are really going for that popularity rating. Like there's a lot of coaches out there that are really, first, uh, there's a lot of pizzazz, right? Yeah. Dan Sullivan is not pizzazz. Here you got an older gentleman with amazing stories. Uh, he's like Gandalf. You know, it's like he, 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 Dan Sullivan is a lot like Gandalf. Did you know Dan wants to live, is planning to live to 160, I think it is? Uh, yeah, 156. 156, yeah. Um, I did know that. Yes. <laughs> totally different perspective of the world. Right. And he's a bit of a weirdo. Um, no, that's not the right word. He's, um, he's an intellect, right? Even as a kid, he, he talks. So I had him on my podcast as well. The EO 360 podcast is my little plug. But Dan Sullivan was on. Um, and he tells these stories. Of, yeah. Growing up on the farm and imagining and dreaming.
0: Yeah. walking through the forest and yeah.
1: That was his, that's how he played. Right. Imagined and dreamed. And anyway, so I'm glad he, he, um, and I'm not surprised to hear those five words. My future is my property. So what this made me think of, aside from just uh, glowing and basking in the thought of, like, all things Dan Sullivan. Um, that sounds a little creepy, doesn't it? <laughs> maybe, we should, maybe we should cut that part. No, don't cut anything. Uh, so, th- th- what that got me thinking about was there was a time when I was a young chap, a young strapping buck. And I was told I was twenty. I think I was 26 and I was an intern working for SAP, huge multi-billion dollar German ERP system software company. And my, my manager, I was an intern, a business school intern, and my manager put his arm around me and uh, encouraged me uh, as on my last day walked me out, put his arm around me. This is like 1996 or something like that. Puts his arm around me and, and says, you know, Dave, good job this summer. The <laughs> most harmful wor- words in the in the English language a good job, so anyway, good job Dave this summer um, listen, I encourage you to when you 're walking through the halls, walk a little faster and and smile less because perception is reality, so translation people don't think you're very busy because you're having too good a time here. And so fix that and you're in a good place. In fact, if you can see over my shoulder, I think this is an audio, but if you look over my shoulder here, I have a sign that says, walk slow, smile more. And it's a sign my son just it made me this past year, even though I've been preaching that since since I was coached to walk fast and smile less. So I built a company on the antithesis of that advice, which brought me to success. Now, the reason walk slow, smile more brought me to success is because I don't know how to do it otherwise. There's a little window in there where I did try to do it and I got fired from my job. Mm -hmm. I was a chameleon. I tried to do it in a way that somebody else wanted or suggested I do it. I was trying to live my future like it was somebody else's property. And so what I did instead was embraced the fact that this is my property and I'm going to put a big phallic statue out in the garden if I want to. Because that's what's important to me. Now, I do not have a big phallic statue. Okay. No, <laughs> that was just an example. Um, but uh, But what I did do is I built a company on the antithesis of the culture that you would find at SAP. And it worked for me. It worked because it gave me an environment where I could thrive and build a great organism that we ended up turning into something valuable. So that that was my takeaway from from specifically chapter 24, the five words, my future is my property.
0: Well, thanks for doing your way, man. It was really interesting that you – the way you said that because it's so true, right? He wasn't saying – you know, my, your future is my property or my future is your property. He wasn't telling me in this thing, what it should be. He was just saying, whatever you want it to be, start making it that, which is what you did based on,
1: you know, you know, what words everybody hates to hear for exactly this reason. The phrase, you know what you should do. Yeah. Anything that okay. starts with a, you know what you should do is like right. instantly just everybody shuts down because you know what, that's not my future. Maybe I'm just closed to the world. I don't know. What do you think, Richie?
2: I went, one of my first thoughts, and we talked about this in the the intro segment that we did as well, but just how entrepreneurship can be over glamorized and things like that. And my first thing was I was I was a little surprised at how hard this hit Mike at that point in his career. Because, Mike, it, let me know if I'm wrong, but at this time, your company's probably doing you know maybe 20 ish million. In revenue, I mean, or probably above the ten mark. You're you're running this company. I think most people from the outside would have looked at you and been like, "Oh, this guy's doing really well." I mean, statistically, you were doing really well, and you probably put that persona out there to an extent. But just showing that, you know, not not everyone has it figured out, and everyone has their own struggle. So, I mean, the first thing that hit me was I was I was a little surprised at how profound that a guy like you would have found that at that oh, point in time. Interesting. Okay. Um, I see that for someone starting off, but no, I mean, I, I think it just shows how open you were in this book too. And I'm sure a lot of other people at that point, you know, felt that way. Cause really who, who does have things figured out? But I think another thing in a, a you know, a, a sad thing is a way is a lot of people, they have dreams and, and um, Dave, you were touching on like, I'm blanking on the guy's name, the guy who is in the chapter right now. What was his name? Dan Sullivan. Sullivan, yeah. Sullivan about yeah, how he used to dream and dream big. And I think a lot of people start off on that initially. And then you know the, those dreams don't happen or people tell them they can't happen or they get discouraged in one way or another. And then they just kind of stop dreaming and they coast through life a little bit. And I think it's important that people keep dreaming. And those dreams should change and evolve over time. But... That's important because you can create your own future. And I was Googling this statistically um when you guys were talking, because I've I've known these stats. I just forgot what they were, but it's like only three percent of the population sets specific goals and only one percent writes them down. And there's psych- psychology that when you write stuff down, it's it's really good for the brain. It wires your brain towards achieving those things. And that means 97% of people are essentially just kind of coasting with no goals. And it's really sad that that's what happens to people so i I don't know what the main takeaway is other than the fact that yeah i would encourage people to to set goals and know that yeah you who you are today and what you're doing today doesn't have to be the the future state you and you can go out and create that
0: i like that richie i like how you brought the dream thing into it because it made me think about that first chapter in the book called the seed where I had this dream when I was a four year old, right. About what it would, what it would be like to own a construction business. And of course I had no idea as Dave mentioned in that episode, you know, I thought everything just went to sleep at night and you woke up the next day and it just all started all over again. And, um, but you know i had that dream and then i and then as i got into when i finally realized it and started the company and then you know got to this point where i was in the valley and all of a sudden that dream was like a nightmare it was gone and, and and you're right you know these those five words probably aren't that remarkable but when i was just in the right spot at the right time to hear them and get me back on track to understand that what i'm here for you know i like i said in the beginning I think entrepreneurs need to go big, you know, as big as you can go. And I knew that I was not going as big as I could go. I did not know how big I could go, but I knew I was not going as big as I could go. And when I heard him say that, I thought to myself, there's my permissions or my more than a permission. Maybe that's my, 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 real purpose. I have to, you know, if I want something different, I have to make it my own. I have to own it. It has to be my property. And, um, yeah, that. Just uh, really changed me a, a bunch.
2: Yeah, and I mean, ha- having big dreams that you're excited about, it makes going through all the shit you have to go through a lot easier. If it's pushing you yeah. towards that, I think if if the excitement outweighs the shit you go through, you're going to be you're going to be fine in a way. And I know um, a lot of joy. People say. You know, it's very cliche to say it's about the, you know, the journey, not the destination or whatever, whatever that saying is. But, you know, we get, we get a lot of dopamine releases when, when we're chasing something and when we're receiving those small wins, it's not really after that big accomplishment. You get a big rush and then there's usually a come down and a hangover, like not very long after that, when you realize your life's not completely different, but a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of joy is, is come from, you know, chasing things in those small wins. So. It's important. And those will change over time. And some dreams aren't super practical. Like my, you know, dreams of playing in the NBA growing up as a a 6'1 white guy who couldn't move very fast. But, you know, there's a lot of other dreams that are extremely attainable and those should evolve over, over time.
0: But can still dunk.
2: I can. Thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for the plug.
1: <laughs> Captain Iron Chest, man. I'm telling. Captain Iron Chest.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, Richie, Dave, thank you so much for joining me on this uh, special and different episode of the How It Happen podcast to talk about my book, Owner Shift, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck, available on Amazon or wherever you buy books or on my website, MikeMalatesta.com. Check out Richie Burke's podcast, Go-Getters podcast. You can find out more about Richie at ggmm.io. And of course, Dave Wills' fabulous podcast, EO360. You can find out more about Dave at propfuel.com. Guys, it's just been so much fun. Thank you for joining me for these four special episodes. And I appreciate you helping me understand my book better through your experiences
1: as well. Thanks, man. Super fun.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having us. It was great seeing you, Dave. It was was fun hanging out with you and meeting you today as well. (laughs) I like rise, Richie.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the How'd It Happen podcast, where we believe that success doesn't happen unless you make it happen. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. And while you're there, please rate it and leave a comment as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the show, ideas for future guests, or whatever you'd like to share. And of course, you can always find me at MikeMalatesta.com. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to the How'd It Happen podcast.